Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And I want to tell you a little quick story, and then I'm going to read something to you. Um, last week, I go in for chemo every every two Wednesdays in a row, and then I have a Wednesday off. So last week was my second Wednesday, so I don't have to go in today, which is always fun. And I have to just share with you something kind of fun and uplifting, and and I hope I don't embarrass my doctor when I say this. Anyway, um, I... I was, for those of you who've been following my story on Facebook or wherever, you know that my tumor markers are shrinking, my my tumors themselves are shrinking, and number numbers are looking good. And when you consider how far off the chart things were, and then all of a sudden it turns around, and I know... I believe in the power of God and the power of healing. I know that God gives me my medical team, and my doctor is very much a part of my medical team, and and he can also make the the drugs work better. You know, I just I just believe that God has His hand in this whole thing, and I've been putting posting a lot of positive comments on Facebook about my journey and. And he was so cute when I saw him last week. And I, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But he, he, when I was in his office, he says, Becky, he goes, you know, um, you, you do remember that you have cancer, right? <laughs> and, and I had to laugh because, of course, I remember I have cancer. But, but I said, I do, but you have to admit it's going the right way, right? And he goes, oh, definitely going the right way. So I just, I wanted to share that as, I think in his heart, he just, you know, he wants to, he's staying positive. He's super positive, doctor, super positive. But I think that there's a sense of not losing, um, you know, the the sense of reality, you know, the possibilities. And, but, um, but I share that because like we always say on this show, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it. You don't know what next thing you're going to hear, the next thing that's going to turn around and change everything. And when I get those tumor marker reports and they're down and I get a scan and my tumors have shrunk and there's nothing new, that's all very encouraging to me and definitely worthy of mentioning. So um, so I wanted to share that. And with that, I'm going to, if I can get my phone pulled back up here. Okay. I'm going to read something that I'd like to share. I don't know the author who wrote this. I know the person who shared it, and it's a lovely friend of mine named Betsy. And it's called The Seven Rules of Life. So here are the seven rules. One, make peace with your past so it won't disturb your future. Boy, isn't that the truth? You wake up every morning and think about something crummy. Yeah, get rid of that because then it's not going to do it again tomorrow. So make make peace with your past so it won't disturb your future. Number two, what other people think of you, quite frankly, is none of your business. And I love that one. That one makes me smile because how often do we wonder and worry, oh, my, I wonder what they think of me. And, oh, I can't do this because they might think, forget that. What other people think of you is none of, their, is none of your business. It's all up to them. And the only person in charge of your happiness is you. I love that one too. Um, don't number four. Don't compare your life to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. Boy, no kidding. I be you know I've got an art studio in my at, at our cabin, and I am not an artist. I'm a dabbler, 
But whenever I create something new, I I know it is not anything that will ever end up in an art studio sale show or whatever. But it makes me feel good, and it's the joy I get for doing it. So if I compare myself to other people and to other artists, it would steal that from me. It's not worth doing that. So don't compare your life to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. Number five, time heals almost everything. Give it time. You know, we fuss and we fret over things because we expected it to be figured out by tomorrow or by today. But time heals almost everything, almost everything. So give it time. Allow allow for that space for time to happen. Number six, <laughs> I like this one. Stop thinking so much. It's all right not to know all the answers. Really, <laughs> so I... Especially in this political season, you hear this story, you hear that story. It's like, which is true, which is wrong, which is not true. And, you know, stop thinking about it so much. It's all right if you don't know them all. It's okay. And number seven, I love this one. Smile. (laughs) You don't own all the problems in the world. That's reason to smile right there. You don't own all the problems. So I, I wanted to share those because I always try to find something each morning to um, just think about, focus on, uh, just maybe might give me some kind of positive moment for the day. And that was a, a positive moment. But speaking of positive moments, I have another one. I get to reintroduce our guest from last week. Um, this is actually the fourth appearance on my show because this happened last time too. I brought her on the show last time and I think that was maybe a year ago. I can't remember for sure. Um, but she ran out of time before she ran out of content. So It was such good information. I brought her back the following week, and we did it again last week. So we had her on for part one of debunking, what do we call this, debunk nutrition myths, facts, and fiction, and we only got through part one, and so today we're going to finish the rest of that that whole situation, and my guest is, in case you have forgotten, is Kathy Lehman, and I would highly recommend, if you didn't hear her last week, go back, pull up last week's episode and listen to that one too because there's great information. So welcome back, Kathy. Thanks for coming back on my show. Thank you so much, Becky. Great to be back as always. Thank you. Thank you. for the opportunity. (laughs) Well, last week, we're not going to do a full recap of everything we covered last week or I'll need you back again next week, which would be okay too. (laughs) But um, but I think what we'll do is just a very, very quick – um, there were there was one one question I asked you is because there's so much misinformation there's good information there's bad information how do we know the difference and you gave us four things to tell if something is good advice or bad advice and I'm going to recap them and then you can tell how well I was listening mm-hmm. and if I miss anything tell me okay because <laughs> okay. I, I write notes when I'm talking to my guests so I can try to remember all these things so um, to be tuned in to the following things when you're hearing something and you're trying to determine is this real or is it Memorex kind of thing um, first off is it sensible or sensational and I don't, I don't know if we have time to really explain what that difference is. What do you? Th- I, I just don't want to cut into your time for today. People, you know what? Go back and listen to it. Is it sensible or sensational? That was the first one. Um, the second one is it evidence or is it belief? Meaning, I guess science or opinion. Is that kind of yes. another way to say that? Okay. Um, is it creating behavior 
or is it changing one thing only? And I, I know examples of that because on Facebook, oftentimes, depending on the algorithms that people assign to certain products, you might get things across your screen that says, change one thing and live another 45 years. Well, changing one thing, okay. So that's changing one thing versus creating a new behavior. And if it's changing one thing, you might think twice about it. Um, and then number four, is it reducing risk or is it offering a guarantee? And I think that one's pretty critical. And Kathy, I'd like you to just take a minute and explain that one again, because I think that is, they're all really, really important. But that one in particular, um, you know, we, we hear so much falsity out there. Why don't you explain to our audience what that means to you? Reduce risk versus a guarantee. Sure. So we're talking, as, just as a reminder to everyone, about nutritional guidance and messages. And that's diet, that's food that you choose to eat, that's using nutrition and diet and food as a way to up-level your health after a breast cancer diagnosis, whether that's during or after in survivorship or even with your, when you're living with metastatic breast cancer. And so how does nutrition, diet, and food fit into that um, well, helping you support well-being and wellness and overall health. And so when you hear those messages, sometimes you will hear someone say, if you eat berries, this will prevent your breast cancer from coming back or something to that effect, something where there is a quote-unquote guarantee that this will either cure or this will prevent or this will stop recurrence or progression. And with nutrition and food and diet, in the evidence-based nutrition science world, we do not have guarantees. We have language that we use that says this may potentially reduce risk. This may potentially benefit in this way. The science and the evidence show this. So Mm -hmm. we're saying we've got research to support our recommendations, yet the caveat is we don't have all the answers and we don't have definites. So if anyone has a definite, one of my favorites is if you follow this diet and drink this sort of water, eat this sort of food with this sort of timing and this sorts of amounts, you'll beat your cancer. And that makes me want to pull my hair out because we that's um, disingenuous and it is, it's unethical in my opinion. It's just not um, grounded in fact or science. So that's, that's the difference. Thank you. And, you know, and and the reason I wanted you to say that and and kind of just reiterate that is because a lot of people um, may try one thing, they may get very, um, they might get blessed by that one thing, they might get lucky by that one thing, but to claim total victory over that one thing gives a false impression to others who are battling really hard and, um, you know, and I know faith faith may fall into that for some people. You know, I I have no guarantees that God's going to heal me, but I have a belief that um, that He can, and that's important to me. And um, so I, I boy, it's kind of hard to separate out that from from some of the the food things that you hear. But I read a post yesterday. A woman wrote that she's gone all natural, everything natural, and she is now cancer free. And that may work for her. Maybe her cancer was different than what she was saying. And maybe there were some other things, you know, involved in that too. But one person wrote, I have a friend who has cancer. I'm going to tell her all about your diet. And I thought, oh, it is okay. <laughs> you know, that is- I think that's what you're talking about. You just kind of want to pull your hair out because it worked for her maybe, 
Maybe there's some other factors in there too, other factors at play, but but we just need to be careful because, you know, if cancer were really easy to treat with just eating, you know, broccoli, we would just be eating broccoli all day long and and it's it's hard. I mean, it, it's a very tough it's a tough animal and we don't want anyone to ever give up hope and lose hope. But we just need to be careful about the things that we kind of buy into, I guess. Is that yeah. making sense, or am I talking in circles? No, know. what you described, Becky, is a perfect example. Your example was better than mine. Someone who posted online, I went all natural, my cancer is gone. And yeah. first of all, that, that falls under that second bullet point. That is a belief versus evidence. There is no way if we took that woman and we put her in a laboratory that we could, at the cellular level, determine that what she's eating and how she's eating put her in the place of NED, no evidence of disease mm-hmm. is right. what we say. Right. Because you and I both know recurrence is, um, that's a possibility for every woman who's been diagnosed sure. with breast cancer, regardless of yeah. their stage and, and type and all that sort of thing. So what that does, yes, that does make me want to pull my hair out because, you know, as human beings, we want simple answers. Our brains are wired to solve problems. And the problem being, I have breast cancer. The solution I'm looking for is, hmm, let me change my diet. There's some truth in that. We talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. What Part of what makes myths so appealing is there's a little bit of truth. Diet is one of the most um, malleable risk factors you can, or modifiable risk factors you can use to, you know, and other lifestyle behaviors. We know that. Yet there is no science that says, but it will, and it will cure your breast cancer. It will prevent it from coming back. And you'll be fine if you just eat this way. So right. 100% what you are saying is, and that is a perfect example of what I'm describing when I talk about myths and being aware of the guidance and messages that mm-hmm. you, you see. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I, I had somebody one time send me some really great information about the power of honey and cinnamon mixed together in certain quantities, certain dosages, and how that will cure your cancer, honey oh. and cinnamon. And mm. it's like, and I like both things. You <laughs> too. I'm a huge but, fan of both. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, but you know, I guess the one exception I make to this whole, this whole rule, this whole conversation, is I do believe in spiritual connections, and I do believe that there is power in prayer, and I do believe that that God can cause miraculous healings. I'm in that school. <laughs> I believe mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. I've and I've seen it personally. Um, I've seen it personally, and so I just I, and I'm I'm feeling like I'm experiencing it right now, um, yeah. but it it's but we're talking about nutritional dieting, so yeah, that's, we're about- that's a spiritual thing. So I just um, it's a hard thing to to criticize completely because I have my belief system too, and it seems to be working for me. But again, it's not based on food. And another another thing along here is they talk about reducing risk. Well. If a person is overweight, that is one of the risk factors for cancer, the you know the obesity factor because we tend to build estrogen in that belly fat and we and a lot of cancers are estrogen fed. So while we think we're doing all this stuff to try to reduce estrogen, our our fat system in our, around our belly is actually creating more estrogen. At least this is what I've been told. Is that correct? Well, it's not only in the belly. It's it's system wide. It's systemic. Okay. Est- estrogen is not um, relegated to the the belly area or abdomen. So it's overall obesity. There's a connection with with fat cells there, and the and the um, so the, the obesity risk factor is is definitely been shown in in the research to be 
um, one of the things that we could modify. It's not easy. Um, The overweight and obesity uh, level in this country is is enormous and it continues to get more enormous. However, it's not the obesity in and of itself. Someone can be overweight and be very healthy and have perfect lab values. We know that. So that's not what lines up. What we're looking at with obesity is that body fat is a metabolic substance. It is metabolically active. And so the inflammation and the other metabolically um, bioactivity that it um, affects the body with is what's damaging to cells. And cancer is a cellular disease. So high insulin levels, um, uncontrolled glucose, blood sugar levels, inflammation, all of these things are a byproduct, if you will, of obesity or metabolically active fat, body fat. And yeah. so that can you can have body fat all over your body. But the abdominal region is definitely women. We tend to put on weight in our abdomen and hips mm-hmm. and, and glutes, our butt. Um, and that's just anatomy and physiology. And that's hormonally related. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, all of that together drives this increased risk factor. So again, it's not such a simple black and white answer. When you look at the real science, you know, cancer is a, is a metabolic disease and it happens at the cellular level and all nutritional and even exercise um, side effects, if you will, the impact of your diet and your exercise habits mm-hmm. impacts your body at the cellular level. It impacts pathways. It impacts um, hormone levels. It impacts um, you know the supporting or or damaging cells. So it's all it's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. Well, on that, believe it or not, our first segment is gone. So <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and take time. a quick break, and we yeah. will be back in a minute. But we're going to pick up when we come back. Last week we talked about the eight common nutrition myths for for cancer fighting cancer, and we've shared I think three of those last week. So we're going to get to the rest of them. And if that's all we get to, that's okay, too. But I think we can get through the rest of what we have. So we will be back in a minute. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. Um, I love these conversations with you, Kathy, because you you have such great value that you bring to the show, and it opens up lines of of questions and and comments. So um, during the break, we we kind of went I, I went a little bit further with Kathy on on this um, the estrogen that we produce in our fat cells, and I I kind of want to share a story, and I know I'm I'm opening myself up here to potential criticism, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I think there's a lot of us that can learn from this. Um, years years ago, I've been on, I have been on and off estrogen blockers for years because all of my cancer is estrogen positive, estrogen re- receptor positive. And we finally took me off of it because even though I've been on estrogen blockers, I keep getting cancer. So we decided that 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 formula isn't working so much anymore. But one of the questions I asked my doctor years ago was because I still have my ovaries and ovaries are known for producing estrogen, I said to him, wouldn't it make more sense for me to just remove my ovaries and stop producing estrogen so I don't have to keep taking these estrogen blockers that are blocking the estrogen that my body keeps producing? And he said something along this line. He says, you know, I know why that sounds like it would make sense to you because, you know, you're producing it and we got to get rid of it because it's feeding the cancer. He says, but that's not the main source of estrogen that you are producing in your body right now. And I said, what is? And he said, the the fat cells, the fat, which was at that point, mostly around my middle. And um, he said, you would do better to lose 50 pounds. And of course, you know, when your doctor tells you to lose 50 pounds, you go, Ugh. <laughs> you know, that's, that sounds like so much work. Well, it took me a long time, but I did finally lose that. And um, probably in this last go around with cancer, I, I was probably already down 15. And so I lo- I've lost 35 or maybe 40 since then. But I'm, I'm back to, you know, pretty much getting close to a healthy weight now. And um, but that was that was important to me. And I had never been told that before. Because I always heard that obesity is a risk for cancer, but nobody ever told me why. And it's because of that increase in estrogen is the, is one of the main reasons. And I never knew that answer. So I wanted to share that on, on the show right now with you and get a comment back from you about that estrogen um, and the impact on our bodies. And, and in your research that you've done, is that something that you can agree with, that it's that if we can reduce the the fat content, we can naturally cut the estrogen? Right. What he shared with you is true. I mean, that's physiology. That's if you if if you did any looked at any of the science on body fat and estrogen and um, abdominal fat and risk for breast cancer, you would see the information that comes back to you about the fact that yes, estrogen and body fat 
are connected for sure, but, but estrogen can be produced by body fat. But having said that, you know, we don't take our body fat to zero. If right. we did, we would die. Right. Um, estrogen levels don't, even in postmenopause, don't go all the way to zero because we, we all have some fat cells that produce estrogen. And if you think about the um, aromatase inhibitors, I was on the same I, for five years. I just finished them in March of this year because um, my cancer also was estrogen and progesterone positive. And what that does is it doesn't stop the estrogen from being produced. It blocks. Uh, it's a right. enzyme that blocks um, the ability for your body to use what's produced. And so that if you think about, this is where I, I always go back to the whole lifestyle picture. So we know that exercise may be beneficial in reducing estrogen levels because it can help reduce body fat, all right? It's not the only way. We put too much emphasis, I feel like, on what exercise will do for us in terms of weight loss, but it certainly is one of the tools that we use there. Mm -hmm. Secondly, diet. Um, If you increase fiber, there's really good research that shows um, when you increase fiber, insoluble fiber, the stuff that gives bulk to your stool, that as well as the soluble sticky type of fiber and they're both present in foods that we eat that are high in fiber, they sort of think of it this way, connect to fiber, or excuse me, connect to estrogen and help pull it out of the body. So that can reduce. So that's a dietary approach. And when you eat more fiber, it fills you up. Mm -hmm. And so you're not as hungry. So that can help with weight loss. Um, Fiber is also found in plant foods. So meat, dairy products, those have zero fiber. All your plant foods fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, those all do, nuts and seeds, those all do have fiber. So it's easy if you follow a plant-based protocol, which is recommended for breast health, that naturally increases fiber, which can help decrease estrogen, which helps decrease risk, which when you add the exercise can help build muscle, which helps reduce fat. They're two different things. (laughs) So all connected, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. when people say, just tell me one thing to do that will make my cancer not come back, I could, you could, you could hold a gun to my head and I couldn't give you that answer yeah. because it's impossible. But I think what that illustrates is the beauty of embracing all of the lifestyle factors, healthy mm-hmm. lifestyle behaviors and habits. They all support each other. It's kind of yeah. like those Jenga games, you know, Jenga. I <laughs> do. Like lifestyle Jenga, like you pull yeah. one out and you don't want the whole thing to fall apart. So how many can you add that keeps everything supported? And so think about that. It's um, They all connect together. They all support each other and they all enhance your overall health. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, you know... I'm a, I'm a person, don't just tell me what to do, but tell me why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And once I get the why figured out, and it's like you just said, all these things are, here's what to do, but here's the why. And they're all the whys are connected, like you just yeah. said. All yeah. the whys are connected. But the more, for me, the more whys I get in my brain and understand why am I doing this, that's when it finally made losing weight. I mean, I struggled with my weight most of my adult life. I mean, it's just... It's just, you know, I'm a mood eater and, you know, I don't eat for the right reasons sometimes. But but once I understood the the science behind why I needed to lose this weight because of the estrogen, because of the this and the that, it made it more doable for me because I was realizing I'm not just trying to look better. I'm trying to not 
die from cancer and if I can reduce my risk, it doesn't, no guarantee it's going to go away. I've lost all this weight and I'm still battling cancer, but at least, um, you know, I, I'm doing what I can to get a handle on it. So, so it's really yeah. important that we do many things, not just that one thing. It's, you know, don't, we're just reducing our risk rather than a guarantee of one thing that we do that's going to change everything for us. So, so, well, I, okay. You well, yeah, okay. So I just have to come have to give you a response to that because you said such that was so rich what you just shared Becky because if you think about you know, the work that I do is always encouraging women in the breast cancer community to use all the lifestyle behaviors to support this overall health so if you think about this if you you said the why that that for you was I don't want to die from cancer or I want to help save my life or reduce my risk however you want to frame that so that makes sense to me as a why to lose weight rather than just because I should be smaller according to you know right what what people what society says or I whatever okay but when you eat better when you eat a healthier diet more fiber more plant based you know more for fuel versus emotion as you were talking about you know eating using food properly rather than as a buffer or a Mm-hmm. a pacifier or whatever lots of people use it in a different way that it's intended but when you eat healthier you get more exercise you get your sleep um, all of those things they work on your gut they improve your gut microbiota there's a very strong connection between the brain and the gut and in terms of the healthier your gut microbiota and microbiome are it helps with cognition and you know in the breast cancer world there is a lot of anxiety and depression um, overwhelm, frustration. So can we be cognitively healthier because our diet and exercise habits are better? Yes. Exercise helps manage stress and anxiety. A healthy diet can benefit with stress, anxiety, depression. Um, it, so the, again, the connection just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And the weight loss, I like to say, is almost a byproduct of just doing all of those things that are so helpful. And if your main focus is supporting your breast health, with all of these behaviors, you're in turn supporting your overall best health because we're at higher risk for heart disease. Mm -hmm. As we age, because we're living longer after treatment, even women like you who are, are, have, you know, had so many instances of cancer and you're still doing your chemo, you're still, you know, still doing that, um, you're on that path, you're living longer. So now all of the diseases of aging, type two diabetes, hypertension, all of those come into play, and those we definitely know can be managed or reduced risk with diet and exercise and lifestyle behaviors. So again, I just I'm kind of like a broken squeaky wheel, broken records <laughs> wheel. Is I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to take charge of all of those healthy lifestyle behaviors that you can you can you're in charge of all of those, and they that make a difference across the board. Yeah, so that's yeah, true. I get a little passionate about that because that's the work <laughs> that I do. So I just and that's why you're on my show. I love your passion about this. So thank you, thank you, because I I think that you know sometimes you know I'll tell you when I was when I was 50 pounds overweight, I really thought losing weight was hopeless. I really did because it's so much work. My gosh, it's so much work. But yeah, you know when you start doing little changes and little things, but you understand the why of what you're doing. This isn't me losing weight to fit into that dress that I used to wear. And I went, my husband posted a joke about, I found this garment and my dress in my dress closet that still fits me after 25 years. He goes, yeah, but it's a scarf. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
that's about the only thing in my closet from 25 years ago that would still fit. But, you know, when you take that that away from the reasoning, it's not just I want to get into this dress. Mm-hmm. I really want to live long and see my kids, my grandkids, mm-hmm. and I want to I want to see those changes happen. And so, you know, you start making little subtle changes and little differences here and there. And and that's really what this show is about today. It's it's but it's learning what those changes are because we can get sucked into this world of complete nonsense, do all kinds of stuff and then have it be of zero value to us. Mm-hmm. So um so I want before we run out of time again and we we're right now we're good. We're good. Um we have to be off the air at nine fifty seven. <laughs> so Okay. I've got nine thirty five on my clock right now. So we got a little bit of time. So where I where I'd like to pick it up with you if you don't mind Last time, we started to talk about the eight common cancer nutrition myths. We went through dairy, we talked about soy, and we talked about alcohol. And I think that's kind of when we ran out of time. Um, If you really are interested in those things, and you should be because it's really good content, go back and listen to the episode because it's all there. We didn't edit out a word. So um, go and listen to that. But let's kind of pick it up from there. Is that that okay with you if we just do it? Pick it yeah. up right there. Okay, so I don't know what was next on your list. I think I wrote down organics, but I'm not, I'm not sure. So these, yeah. these are uh, those. Okay, there are two that I mixed up the order. So we'll start with alkaline diet myth. Okay. Okay. So as we did last week, I'll share with you what the claim is about these myths, and then I'll give you some of the, without going into too much detail, because again, I've got so much on this, we could talk forever, but I want to get through it. So the claim with the alkaline diet myth is that acidic blood can increase your risk of recurrence. And the claim is that, the additional claim is that cancer cells thrive in an acidic environment, and they can't survive in an alkaline environment, And that's one that's purported to be created specifically um, with an alkalizing diet. So the thinking is if you follow an alkaline diet, you will create an alkaline environment and then your cancer cells will die and your cancer will either be cured or it will never come back because there is no acidic environment for this cancer cell to thrive in. I've heard that so many times. Yes, many times. What's your thought about that? Um, I, I don't, I mean, I, it kind of makes me sad because there's a lot of things I like in a not alkaline diet. <laughs> so, okay. So, so that tell me, triggered in tell you me the truth. deprivation. That triggered yeah. in you right away. You're like, no, 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 no. That's deprivation. Those are foods I like. It, you're, it, what it didn't trigger was, is this even a thing? <laughs> so that's where we have to shift the trigger. So okay. like we talked about last week, there's always a little bit of truth around myths. But the truth is not what people want to hear. They want this special alkalizing diet that will kill the cancer cells. But here's what it is. The immediate environment around cancer cells, remember it's a cellular disease, um, we call this the microenvironment. And it can become acidic. This is true. But this is due to differences in the way that tumors create energy and use oxygen compared to healthy tissue or healthy cells. Okay, this is what you see in the laboratory. So researchers are working to understand how this happens in order to develop more effective cancer treatments. So this is a thing that happens naturally. This is what cancer cells do. It has nothing to do with food. It's what they do. And so there's no good evidence to prove that diet can manipulate your entire body pH or that it has an impact on cancer. And what people overlook is 
no foods or any special diet, they cannot change the acidity of anything in your body except your urine. Think about those urine strip test strips to see yeah. where you are in terms of pH. That's urine. And what the myth is that acidic blood can increase risk of occurrence. Blood and urine, for people who don't know, are two different things. Okay? And so... Um, the pH of urine can be changed somewhat by diet because your kidneys are key in maintaining that proper body pH, which is very small. And so an increase in acid or alkaline in your urine does not indicate a change in overall body pH. So that means it's not, if we're looking at overall body pH, you're thinking, oh, that's all the cells in my body. Well, it's not doing that. Um, And so it's true that cancer cells can't live in an alkaline diet, but neither can any of the other cells in your body. So if you were to change your blood pH alkaline, you would die. That's not a thing you want to do. Wow. Okay. Right? That's new information. Yeah, that's new information for me. me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So your body's acid-base balance, it's very well regulated by your lungs and your kidneys. And your blood pH is very tightly controlled. Like I said, it's controlled between 7.35 and 7.45. And so anything that changes acidity in your body outside of that range could be life-threatening. But that's typically an indication of a serious health problem. It's not the underlying cause. I know when I was doing my clinical rotations as a dietitian, we learned a lot about pH because it's an indicator of overall health and disease and something, again, that is um, a serious health issue or not. And so it's a marker that we use in any number of um, assessments for, for health. So, again, there's a little bit of a truth there, but it's not, it's not, the, it, it's not accurate. So alkaline foods such as fruits and veggies and nuts and legumes and root vegetables, these are all nutritious and they're broken down into what's called short chain fatty acids. And these contain prebiotic nutrients that feed your gut's good bacteria. So we're back to that good gut microbiome. And again, this does not change your body's blood pH, but it can help decrease inflammation throughout your body. And that's helpful in reducing risk of recurrence. So it's kind of coming in through the back door. Someone's taking that little bit of truth and saying this will decrease your risk. But what decreases the risk is a healthier diet because of its impact on inflammatory markers. And that's where we get the confusion. So it's everything else. Okay. Yeah. So sugar, I mean, sugar sugar is kind of lumped into that uh, alkaline acidic um, question, right? I mean, they, isn't that always part of that same conversation is the amount of sugar, raw, and I don't mean raw sugar, um, refined sugar, isn't that, doesn't have something to do with all of that? You mean added sugar versus naturally occurring sugar? Yes. Yeah, like one one is more alkaline, one is more acidic. So the thing... I might be remembering it wrong, but... Well, actually, if you think about natural sugars come from fruits. Right. And those are alkaline foods. Okay. Okay. So I find sugar is used, I mean, in alkaline diet myth and many of the myths that I slay on a daily basis, sugar is sort of that weapon of choice. That you know, sugar is the is the enemy of all cancer. Black and licorice. So, Tell me about sugar and black licorice. <laughs> well, there's sugar and black licorice. There is fake coloring in black licorice. It's not a natural food, but it's also something Yummy. you enjoy. So you should keep it in your diet if you enjoy it. <laughs> I do. I have my big bags of it. Balance it out. <laughs> or have a big go. salad and then have black licorice be your dessert. Yes, okay, so. I, can, I can do that. I can yeah. Do that. So. It's, 
But the thing about sugar is, again, you know, we all, we go, it goes back to the obesity and overweight topic we were discussing. You know, if you can reduce the added sugar in your diet overall, that helps inflammation. It helps weight. It helps so many things overall. It's not a health food. Sugar is empty calories. It's fuel. Yes, it it's is. Energy. But there's no nutritional value in it. And we all know that. I just keep thinking that people just don't want to hear it. <laughs> they don't want to know. They don't want to admit it. But we know that. So, yeah. I don't know what the next one was. Organic. So, organic. organic. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, we'll make this one quick. So, the claim is that organic produce is healthier and offers more protection against recurrence. And you could translate that from alcohol, pro, or, excuse me, organic produce to all organic foods. And so there, you, we could do an entire show just on organics, which we don't have time to do. But um, the USDA National Agricultural Library website has an organic agricultural practices um, piece of information that says, you know, you cannot ensure that products are completely free of residues. However, methods are used to minimize pollution from air, soil, and water. So there's little scientific evidence that indicates eating organic produce and foods lowers cancer risk. But there is an abundance of evidence indicating that a diet that includes plenty of fruits and vegetables, either organically or conventionally produced, may help reduce cancer risk. So we need more research in that role of organic foods in reducing that overall risk before we can make a conclusive recommendation. But in my experience, and I've been doing this for 20 years, um, you know, people don't, they don't naturally gravitate toward the produce section. They, pro- they gravitate toward the cereal section, the soda pop section, the aisle for candy. <laughs> so, you know, produce is sort of an afterthought. So um, <laughs> if we could just get people to eat more overall, that would be terrific and beneficial. Yeah, I, that's good. Um, so let me, let me think. There was another question I wanted to ask that just, but I see the problem is I don't, if I don't write down the question right when I think of it, I lose it. <laughs> chemo brain or old age i'm going to claim chemo brain though the rest of my life so (laughs) so it's it works out um oh i know what i was gonna say on organics one of the things i heard about organic food if you're kind of yes no organic food costs more obviously Mm -hmm. so if you're you know on a limited budget and you have to kind of pick and choose your your organics because you want to choose well and you want to do all that i heard i read and i tell me if this is true or not that the thicker the skin of the produce, the less important organic is because the sprays that they use don't get through the thicker skins. Like I heard avocado, for example. It's hard to, you know, it's not as important that you have an organic avocado as it is, you know, an organic grape because grapes don't have much of a protection on them. So what do you think about that? If, if you had to pick and choose... Because you just it's can't true. do organic it's everything. True. Bananas, avocados, you easily could skip those in terms of being organic or not. Yeah, for sure. That is okay. true because they are more, the fruit or the inside, the piece part that you eat is more protected. Yes. Okay, good. Because, I, you know, if, they can, if we have a little bit of information that we can just like go on, stop on your way home and go, okay, I can do that and I can do that. And so it's not that you can't do anything. It's not... It's not that. And I guess that's not what we're getting at here. It's not that we're prohibiting you from having these things ever again. Like you said, I love licorice, so have a little bit of licorice with my salad for dessert. You know? Yeah, right. Just don't right. make a meal of it, and that's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> that, we can talk it's about addictive. that. That's a whole other thing. It's, we should do a addictive. program on emotional eating. We can do that. I, you know what? 
Wow. Seriously, that might be a good idea. We've never done that. Oh, emotional eating, intuitive eating. That's my wheelhouse combined with really? weight. Really? Oh, oh, let's talk yeah. again when we get off the air. Let's pick another okay. date. I'm so serious about that because okay. yeah, I, I think love that. that there's a huge need for that. And, you know, when women are going through, men too, when we're going through a cancer diagnosis or somebody that we love is going through that, we all can get sucked into that emotional eating thing. And if there's how do we overcome it and how do we choose wisely kind of like just going in and picking out the thin skinned vegetables and fruits if you have to get if you want to buy organic so pick and choose what how to how to manage that I think that's a great idea so okay so let's continue because we are down to oh by the way I told them to cancel the last break so we are just going right through but it's 947 so we have a few more minutes (laughs) we got about about 10 minutes total nine something like that so let's pick up the other the rest of the eight so I don't know what we did now. So we're at phyto, phytoestrogen myth. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you gave me the time because last time we didn't have time left to let, let me share with you that I have something for your listeners. So we want to make sure to talk about that. Okay, yes. phytoestrogen myth. So the claim is that there is estrogen in food and it will make my cancer worse or it will make it come back. Because for women with hormonally driven cancer, there are dietary restrictions and you must eat a low estrogen diet and certain types of foods can either increase or or lower estrogen levels. That's the claim, Mm -hmm. which you may have heard. So dietary phytoestrogens, which are from the food that you eat, these are bioactive compounds that have estrogenic activity, but they are not the same as the naturally occurring hormones in our body. So plant estrogens are phytoestrogens, naturally occurring estrogens are called endogenous, meaning we make them in our body. And so this is where um, the evidence from preclinical studies, as well as some animal studies, suggests that these compounds may have an effect on hormones and health, although the results of human trials are unclear. So there's a lot of animal study work in this area, not so much humans. And we are not, it's interesting to get the animal study uh, results, but we're not, it doesn't translate. And we've seen that happen over and over. So the effects of dietary phytoestrogens depends on the exposure, meaning what type of phytoestrogen? There are hundreds of them. Um, the concentration level, how much are you getting Uh, And bioavailability. What bioavailability means is, Becky, if you and I went out to lunch and we both had, let's say we had a seared tofu and vegetable wrap. So tofu has phytoestrogens called isoflavones, right? You may bioactively metabolize all of the isoflavones in the soy that you ate. I may metabolize none of it. So it would act differently in your body than it would in mine. And what is, what, is there a certain thing that would dictate that? No, hold, hold on, hold on, just okay. hold on to that though for a second. But okay. the, the, the idea of bioavailability means, and this is where people get confused, you could have 20 people eat the same food, but how, if you check urine and blood and other biomarkers, you may not see the same results of how that food, when it went in and when it came out and the impact on the body. That's the simplest way I can think of to explain it. So it's the impact is different on all of us, okay? And there are some things it depends on, but we'll come back to that. So ethnicity is another consideration. Um, Hormone levels, in fact, um, in terms of related to age, your sex, like gender, can even make a difference, how you metabolize certain, you know, foods, and physiological condition, meaning, you know, how, how healthy is your organ system? You know, how healthy is 
or all of the organ systems that support you for digestion and metabolism and overall health. And then we also look at overall health status. So the reason I bring all of that in without getting too deep into the weeds is because, again, it's not black or white. If you eat phytoestrogens, this will happen. We don't know that yet. There are too many variables that are unique to each one of us. However, um, the other piece we need to remember is with regard to breast cancer risk, there are different findings between pre- and post-menopausal women. That's also another consideration. Mm, And so, in general, the available evidence for an association between dietary phytoestrogens and your biomarkers for hormones in your body, it's inconclusive. And based on the available literature as of today, while we're talking, the conclusion is that eating phytoestrogens does have some physiologic effect in humans related to hormone regulation, but the benefits depend on your stage of life. And some factors such as the dose and the type of compounds affects their bioavailability, which impacts the results you get. And having said all that, there's also research looking at the potential health benefits and effects of dietary phytoestrogens. So I will, I'll wrap that up because that was a lot of heavy science language, but there's not really another way to say it. But <laughs> I will say that, again, my cancer was hormonally driven, but I don't have any compunction against eating foods that are on that, quote unquote, phyto, well, it is a phytoestrogen list. I say, quote unquote, people make it the bad list. <laughs> and I don't shy away from those foods, but like everything, if you were to eat a pound of flaxseed a day or a pound and a half of tofu a day combined with flax, that's volume, that makes a difference. Um, And I'm just using flax and soy because those are two common phytoestrogen foods. But I don't, I've I've never shied away from them because I'm comfortable with where the research is and the health benefits of those foods. There's a lot more science that supports that. Good. All right. Well, we're, I don't want to run out of time. I think how many, how many of these do we have left? There's eight. We have we have two more. We can do those, okay. and we can um, go go fast. Go I'll fast. fast. Intermittent yes, fast. Because I want to get you your offer that you Thank have you. for our listeners, Thank and you. We're, we don't have okay. much time left. So okay, intermittent fasting is uh, prolonged fasting can re- prevent recurrence and make you lose weight. So really quickly, there's some really good animal study outcomes that show that this could be beneficial for weight loss. The human studies are not as consistent with what they show. Um, And the thing about fasting is, again, that in the breast cancer world, there was some research done on a 13-hour fast. And I think that's valuable information to use for Mm -hmm. exactly the reason you talked about before. Even though that was animal studies, um, and we've had some animal studies, we've had some prospective cohort studies of patients with early-stage breast cancer and looking at nightly fasts. But that 13 hours gets people to stop eating if they're snacking all night long. And that can help, again, inflammation and weight overall. Okay. So that's all right. Great. Next. Sorry, and then the I'm, last one, I'm getting the on. countdown. <laughs> nope. The last one is special diets can cure cancer like keto or vegan. And we okay. just don't have that yet. We okay. don't have that. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> all right. Good. All right. So thank you very much for all of that. And if we went through that too fast, it's okay. You can play this back. So, um, all right, let's talk. You said you had an offer and I, you got to give us the two minute version. Okay. The two minute version is my higher ground breast cancer survival membership is more of this that I'm doing, but in a deep dive of learning and understanding and then applying. And it is a private monthly membership. And so during October, we, I have a special, you can join for one month for a dollar. 
And that's, that's it. I know, because I want, it's like a trial. I want women to see how amazing it is because we have a private community. We have education. I have a live masterclass every month. We have um, a very engaged community and uh, for inspiration and accountability. And then if your listeners go to kathyleeman.com forward slash gift, and that's Kathy with a C, C A T H Y L E M A N dot com forward slash gift, they get a, a gift for me, which is a recipe that is amazing and easy to make. It has all these nutritious foods in it. Nice. Very nice. Well, Kathy, thank you so much. I think I'll go online and sign up for your one-month trial for a dollar. That's awesome. Come on in. And um, and again, what's it called? Higher Ground? So uh, it's called Higher Ground Breast Cancer Survival. Okay. And they'll you will find that, as everyone else will, under kathyleeman.com. Okay. Very, so very good. So com is where you find the membership. kathyleeman.com forward slash gift is where you get that special um, recipe that I have for your listeners. Wonderful. Kathy, thank you so much. Again, full of information. It, it, to me, talking to you, that's the fastest hour of my life. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to get you back on. We'll talk about emotional eating because I think that, and right now with COVID and everything, I think a lot of people are, uh-huh. are, um, dealing with that in some degree so let's make sure we get you on the calendar for that so maybe you can stay on the line with me here afterwards and we'll get that scheduled thanks for having me today well you you are you are amazing you've got so much great information for please for all of our listeners share this podcast please if you know somebody who's struggling right now with any of this share the podcast this episode all of the episodes once they get into our world they can Listen to any podcast they want to listen to that we that we've produced in the last four and a half years. So a lot of great information. Also, please consider making a donation to our radio show. You can do it via text to the number four one four four four. And you just text the word BF Radio, which stands for Breast Friends Radio. It'll open a link. You can make a donation. And with that, we will be back next week. And until then, remember there is always hope. Always hope. And we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.